Father in heaven, we're just going to jump in. And I pray, God, this morning, Father, that you do the work that you need to do. You know our hearts. You know our needs. You know your desires. God, you know our calling. You know our anointing, Father, for this church, for this body of believers. I pray, God, you would establish those things, the principles of your word, that help us walk, God, towards the destiny and the glory, Father, that you have prepared for us that we might give you. We love you. We thank you. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. If pattern goes to show the last two sermon series, I, I love the spiritual warfare series. I love the uh, distracted series. But I am a bit nervous because if, I, if I'm paying attention to the past of those things, spiritual warfare was difficult. I got more distracted than ever when I was talking about being distracted. Was anybody distracted the last four or five weeks? Just me. I love it. I love you all. Y'all always make me feel like I'm the sinner. I love that. I'm always the one that needs Jesus. Every time I ask y'all, you're like, that's all you, Pastor. I'm good. I'm good. But what I do know is that as we start this sermon series, I'm going to apologize for my voice. Uh, I, I, I seem to have misplaced it this morning. But uh, as we start this sermon series, I know this is that as we begin to preach on unity, one body, I know the enemy has a plan too. And so let me just encourage you, okay? Be mindful. The Word says that we ought to be as wise as serpent and as innocent as doves. So be mindful about your marriage. Be mindful about your house. Be mindful in church. Be mindful at work. Be mindful that the enemy is going to try to find a way to create some division. That's what he wants you to do. And so just be clear, if you find yourself not walking in agreement with somebody or not having some unity, step back and say, is this an issue that's been here for a while or is this something new? Because the enemy does not want us to walk in unity. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 25, Sorry, Suzanne, I did not give you this. Y'all are just going to have to believe it's in the Word for yourself. Matthew 12, 25 through 26 says this, Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is dividing against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? When Jesus says this, I realize, whoa, Jesus said that even Satan has standards in his domain. Satan doesn't allow disunity in his division in his, his, his domain. The fact that Satan has standards and sometimes we as Christians walk below the standards of Satan is a problem. Because if Satan doesn't allow division, but yet you and I, we walk with a divisive heart, not walking in unity, that should say something to us. So we ought to be, Harris of Faith, a church that is going to be unified in its body and also a church that's going to be unified to the body. That means we are a church of unity here, but we are also a church that is unified to the larger body of Christ. Can I tell you, if you ever hear me say something about a pastor or a minister from the pulpit or in private, call me out and say, Pastor Scott, you said that we're supposed to be unified to the body of Christ. So I'm just reminding you what you said, because it's important 
Because we want, we want God to bless us and for us to bless, uh, bless his body um, and bless us, those things have to work in unity. So let me talk to you about three things this morning. I'm going to go ahead and give you the notes for today. Now that does not mean, that does not mean you can check out, all right? If you want to scan that really fast, I got quite a few points, quite a few scriptures. But if you want to go ahead and grab that, just so you can just write down what the Holy Spirit's telling you, uh, or perhaps I might speak too fast on a rare occasion, then you might go ahead and uh, write that down as well. Um, so we're going to talk about three things. That is the basics of unity. We're going to talk about the benefits of unity. And we're going to talk about the barometer of unity. And those scriptures and points are in your notes. Let's begin with the first one. This is what every Christian should know. It's important for me to know. Now, you may know. Let me just say this. You may already know these things, and that's great. But what I know about the body of Christ is that we're not all on the same level. So I want to make sure that we all have a, a good understanding about what unity is. Some of us were, were drugged to church against our will, and some of you are here on your own. And so some of us have been force-fed the Word of God, and some of you are learning it just now on your own. I want to make sure that in this journey of being one body, we don't leave anybody out. And it's important for me that when someone talks scripture with me, I don't want to know just what scripture says. I always want to know where it says. Because when scripture says I can murder my kids for talking bad to me, I need to know where it's at in the Testament. See what I'm saying? It's important to know. It's important to know where it's at. Some of y'all are saying, I didn't even know that it was wrong. No, I'm just talking. The first one is this. Number one, we are one because we belong to the same body. Scripture says this, for just as the body is one and has many members and all members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. The Holy Spirit, can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is to the believer what DNA is to the body. I know that you and I are in the same body if the Spirit is in you and the Spirit is in me. That Spirit you drink of at salvation. There is a, an infilling and an indwelling. I'm talking about that the Spirit sealed you at, at, when you received His Spirit, when you received that new life. You and I are now in the same body, and you cannot have two DNAs. I don't know if you've tried that before. If some of y'all have somebody else's arm on you, that might be a different way. Or we have transplants. You can put somebody else's heart or kidney or different things like that. But when you do that, do you know that when you, if you're a recipient of a transplant, of a donor, you have to take medication to suppress the DNA of the, of the organ you've received. Because your body's DNA never changes, nor does it accept any other DNA. I'm talking about spiritual stuff, not trying to prepare you for a transplant. And the problem with this understanding, or we lack this understanding, is that you have a spiritual DNA, and that DNA assigns you to the body of Christ. So when you go to other places that don't like your DNA because they got other DNA, don't be offended. Don't be offended if your school doesn't like your DNA. Don't be offended if your work doesn't like your DNA. 
Don't be offended if your mother-in-law or father-in-law doesn't like your DNA. And don't be offended if your spouse doesn't like your DNA. You and I have been assigned a DNA that incorporates us in the body of Christ. And that DNA is not accepted by the world. So it's okay. We may look, we may feel, we may function different, but our DNA uniquely assigns us to the body to which we can belong to nothing else. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 16. If the foot should say, because I am not at hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And so Paul's addressing a church in early Corinth, people who are uh, slaves and haves and rulers and have-nots and, and rich and Jew and Greeks and people who are of lesser importance and, and people of more importance. And he's saying simply this, everyone belongs to the body and nobody has more honor or less honor than the rest of the body. You see, our belonging to the body, our body makes up for our lack. Whatever you don't bring to the body of Christ is okay because the body of Christ uh, compensates for that. That's why it's so important for you to belong to the body of Christ because you ain't got all the things that you need in life. The Lord knows what you have need of. He knows the relationships. He knows the people. He knows the promises. God makes us equal in the body so as not to divide it. And he does that by bestowing honor. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 25, which are more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that members may have the same care for one another. That's what's great. It doesn't make a difference how horrible of a life you're living or have lived or come from so long as you're in the body, the Lord says you deserve care. And you deserve care just as much as the person who has always loved God and always proclaimed his name and always obeyed. You are the same. That's great for me. Maybe you saints don't find that so attractive. But for someone like me who didn't bring anything to the body, I needed God to compensate for my lack. We also uh, are one body with different functions. Romans 12, 4 through 5 says this, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members one of another. Can I tell you, not everybody in here can preach or teach or evangelize effectively or organize or administrate or, or lead worship or run sound, right? Or, or be creative uh, or be compassionate. But we're working on it. Or labor the same way. We need many of you to create the whole body. And the last one is, is our background doesn't determine our belonging. That is so good. Now, if you come from the majority of what the church is comprised of, which there is no majority, you realize how important it is to come into a place. Have you ever come to church and you walked in and you thought, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. These people got it together. They look good. 
Like they actually smell better than me today. They look, look at their family. Their family is so perfect. It's so good. Look how broke my family is. And, and we, we, we walk into a situation and we feel like, man, I'm not the same. I, I, we're different here. I don't feel like I belong. And the word will remind us that our background doesn't determine our belonging. We are, we are one regardless of our past, regardless of our culture, regardless of our ethnicity, our nationality, our denomination, our political party. All I'm looking for is the DNA. Now, whether you know what truth is or not is up to you, but all I'm looking for is DNA. Our preferences, you may like sweet tea, you may like unsweet tea. We can, we can look over that. You may, not use, you may not use mustard when you rub your sauce for meat. That's okay, I can forgive you for that. Galatians 3.28 says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female. You all are one in Christ Jesus. And Paul crescendos this concept in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. He says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called into one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We are one, and we are called to be one. And if we act as if we're not one, we are the ones who are lost. We are the ones who don't receive the, the benefits and the blessings of his word. Can I tell you, it's important to belong to something that has benefits. Uh, Scott Paul, we were playing uh, cornhole. Uh, on Wednesday night at Faith Family, and I believe Scott Paul could give you a testimony of how important it is to belong to the right team because Scott Paul's team was killing people. I don't know if it was Scott or not, but I know his team was. And uh, how old is Maverick? 14, 15? He's probably 10. And this guy was killing everybody, and I looked over at Scott, and I was like, God, oh, beating everybody. He's like, it's Maverick. It's Maverick. It belongs who, who you belong to matters. And so when you and I belong to the body of Christ, there are benefits that every Christian receives. Let's talk about those things this morning. First and foremost, now these are not all the benefits. These are the seven major ones I'll give to you today. But the first one simply is this. Number one, and this could be a sermon series. Your first benefit is that you are one with Christ. That's your first and major benefit. Everything else doesn't matter. As long as your first and only benefit is one with Christ, you're good. Colossians 1.18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. You should know there are no benefits of the gospel apart from the union with Christ. There's no benefit. There's none of that is available unless you have union with Christ. And so since Christ has received all of the good things that the Father has given him, it belong, now belongs to us. There is no gift that has not been earned by Jesus. Do you hear what I'm telling you? That whatever gift that you need, there's nothing being held back from you because you don't deserve it or it's not been paid for. Because you are one with Christ, Christ has paid for everything. So that means every spiritual blessing that you ever could possibly need and every favor that you could ever possibly ask for is in Christ Jesus. Can I get an uh, amen? 
Yeah, I will preach a little bit faster. Y'all don't have to suffer this voice. The second one is spiritual gifts. Belonging to the body, you and I, we get spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. 14, 12 says, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building of the church. One of the benefits is that you are given a gift to build the church, to edify the church, but you are also edified by the church. You are also built up by the church. Now, I've yet to meet someone who has all the gifts, and I've yet to meet someone who's mastered many gifts. And so that means there's room for you. Can I tell you that if there's a message in tongues, I don't want to give it. I don't want to interpret it. Somebody else can do that. I don't want to have to pray for someone to be made whole. I don't want to have to have the prayer of faith uh, to make the sick uh, uh, walk again or be whole again or somebody's life be restored. Those gifts are not proprietary to the pastor. You're the body operating the gifts. The only thing you have to do is to make sure that you are obedient to receive the very gift that the Lord has given you and longs to give you. The third one is support in suffering. I'm so very thankful for the church when it comes to this one. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, If one member suffer, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. He echoes this in 2 Corinthians uh, 1, 3-4. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and of God, of all comfort. He is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in, I love the word, any. It's nonspecific. Any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Can I tell you, Scripture tells us the reason we are able to comfort anybody is because we have received comfort in belonging to the body. Who else knows what it's like to be persecuted in your marriage, to be targeted by the enemy, to have your kids go through what they have to go through? Nobody else knows it like, like the church knows it because we are sharing like DNA. I would like to think because we, sp we share spiritual DNA, we also share in um, uh, persecution in our flesh. If anybody knows what you're going through, the church knows what you're going through, and they can offer comfort for you. One of the greatest things I love about the church is that someone has always been what you're going through. I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me. Don't let, you, don't let the lie of the enemy say nobody has ever walked through this alive. Nobody's ever come out on the other side of this. Nobody's ever endured this. Nobody's ever understood this. That is a lie of the enemy. You're never alone in how you feel, what you feel, and why you feel it. Can I tell you that when you belong to this body, we don't just know how you feel, we know how you heal. You need to know that. Because the lie of the enemy is loud at times to isolate you that's what lions do catch you when you're weak and you're sick and you're the back of the line and, and you can't fight for yourself can I tell you you don't have to fight for yourself you got a family you got a body to belong to if you touch any part of my body in an unpleasant way the rest of my body will come see you isn't that true what happens if I tap your shin with a baseball bat what will happen the rest of your body say, oh, 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 that's my body. 
But when we feel like we're not a part of the body of Christ, and when we act like we're not a part of the body of Christ, then you are on your own to act all by yourself in your pain, and you are pulling on your own strength to persevere through whatever hell the Lord has, has deemed you to go through for the moment, but he has not allowed you to go through something that will tempt you beyond your ability. He has brought the body, and he has brought his word to deliver you. But you got to plug into the body. You got to plug into the body. Number four is mutual encouragement. Hebrews 10.24 says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is in the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near, one of the things I love the most is, is the body encouraging you. You can do this. You can do this. You can do it because I did it. I, can't, I figured it out. I, let, me show, let, me, let me walk with you. Let me show you how to do that. There are some people in here that are great at encouraging. That is your gift. You are a Barnabas in that capacity. And you are anointed and blessed in that capacity. Don't hold back your mouth from this body. We need people to hold the pom-poms. You do not need this pastor kicking legs and making these up here. You see what I'm saying? We need you to be the encourager. And when you come to the body of Christ, you never know the word that God has put in you for somebody else. You may say, Pastor, I'm good. I'm fine right now. I, I, I mean, the Lord's been blessing me, and I'm just walking, and I'm doing well, and you say, I'm fine. But here's the thing. You're here today to share a word with somebody else who is, oh, me. I'm just tired. And they may be tired because they chose to be tired, or they're tired because they've been fighting all week long. Either way, that's my body. And so I think one of the things that we miss is that when, we, when we're not here at church, we miss the opportunity to find someone who's struggling bad. Isn't it, to me, one of the greatest things is when I hear someone say, in fact, there was one time there was a lady, she lost her husband, and uh, I, I was, at that time, I was not in the sanctuary too much. I was doing a bunch of ministration on Sunday mornings. But I stopped down there to come and, and just be around some people that I've not seen in a while. And she came through, and I saw how low she was. And I just stopped, and I just poured into her 30 seconds, just words, 30 seconds, just encouraging her. And can I tell you, to this day, years later, she'll come to me. She said, Pastor Scott, you remember when you said these words? She goes, that was a flame I did not have. Now, it, it wasn't Scott Brandon. It wasn't me. But in that moment, I realized, you know what? The Holy Spirit is just pushing me to get down there and be amongst the people. Somebody just needed me for that time. I was just the vessel at that moment that the Lord put his word in me to put into somebody else. And it carried them through years of loneliness. You, you, you don't know. You don't know what's inside of you. You don't know what you carry. Don't, 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 don't not show up at church and miss the opportunity to help somebody take a step up where they've not been able to take a step at all. One of, the, one of the blessings is simply your ability to use your words, encourage, have compassion. All right, next one. Love and fellowship. I love this aspect. I'm not going to read the scripture. 
going to highlight a couple things. It says that the disciples in Acts 2 met together for teaching fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. That's why we eat when we get together. It's scriptural. That's just what it is, okay? Uh, we, we get together for teaching and for fellowship. Wednesday night, we had faith family night. I didn't preach a sermon. I didn't give a devotion. I didn't have an altar call. I just got together to break bread. It's important. It's important. When you get together with your family, y'all always talk business. You know, it's Labor Day tomorrow. I don't, I don't know what you're going to do, where you're going to go. But don't you just get together, just enjoy family, right? It makes the hard times a little easier. And it's important for us, church, just to get together. Just to get together. Don't, don't ever think, oh, they're not ready to do anything important. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. We're here for you. Because you might have come discouraged, and I didn't. And I want to invest in my brother and my sister. I want you to know that we're family. We're a family. A family allows you to, to admit their failures and accept yours. It's important that you know how that works. It's, it's important for you to be here and, and to receive um, what, the word, what the word has, the Lord has for you in terms of his word or in terms of fellowship, in terms of encouragement. Can you stay home and eat by yourself? Yeah, you can. I mean, I prefer you to come eat Chick-fil-A with us. You know, that's always a great, great time. But can I tell you that, you know, sometimes, there's times, there's times we have to stay home, I get that. But, but it's not what our practice should be. In my house, if you go in your room and eat dinner by yourself, you're going to come, we'll, we'll find you. You know what I mean? We, we, you do not eat in your room by yourself. Because even though you can eat in your room by yourself, and that's nourishment, you're still growing, the fact of the matter is, is that the heart of this father wants his kids to grow in fellowship. We want them to grow in love. We want them to share. We want them to grow in multiple ways. Our, our dinner table is crazy. We, we go from weird to tears to funny to anger to all, we got all kinds of stuff. We're, we're working all senses there. But that's what happens at our table. That's what makes us family. And we come together as one to be nourished as one. It's important for the body of Christ to do the same here as well. Uh, number six is accountability. Matthew 18, 15 through 17 says this. A lot of stuff. But let me narrow it down. He simply says, when a brother sins against you, tell him his fault. If he doesn't listen to you, then go find another witness and go to him. If that person doesn't listen to him, then go talk to the church. And bring it to the church. And here's what I want you to see. Is that in accountability, what we find is simply this. Is that as you involve other people in a situation, you are exposing yourself to levels of greater counsel. Because you and I aren't always right. Amen? Sometimes we mess it up. Sometimes we miss it. And sometimes we don't know apology is needed right now. But when we uh, 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 incorporate the accountability into our life, we expose ourselves to greater counsel. This is what Jethro did when he came to Moses and he says, let me counsel you here. You are working yourself to death. Let me allow the people to, to break it into different levels of, of judgment. And then whatever they can't figure out in their instance, let it climb up the ladder to greater levels of counsel and greater levels of discernment and so the Lord Lord right here in Matthew 18 is simply saying this is that when you and I have a, a, a problem in our life that this principle right here allows us to be exposed to greater levels of accountability of counsel and godly discernment and I need that you need that 
Because not everyone is a faithful saint of God that knows every scripture that there is. Our new believers need that. Our forgetful believers need that. We need greater discernment. And lastly is simply this, is we need support in prayer. James 5, 14 through 16, we just did that. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That's why we have people praying for you. Sometimes you don't have, the, you don't, you don't have what it takes to pray. Sometimes we're too discouraged to pray, too defeated to pray, too distracted to pray, too exhausted to pray, too pitiful to pray, or we just lack knowing how to pray. And the body of Christ says, because you're one with us, we'll do that for you. It's a blessing. It's a great thing to be a part of the body. And then our last thing is simply this, is the barometer of unity matters. A barometer is an indicator for atmospheric pressure. It's an indicator. There are many things the unity of, of, of the church indicates, but nothing more important than the testimony to the world. Look at John chapter 17, verse 22 through 23. It says, the glory that you have given me, this is Jesus talking, this is the high priestly prayer, which is the greatest prayer really ever prayed. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, and they may be, become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Church, our unity is the indication to the world that Jesus was sent so that they would know the Father loves us as he loves Jesus. That is colossal. That he would love someone like you. Wretched, unrighteous, broken, sick, terminal, having nothing to offer, meaning nothing in this world. That he would love you as he loved his perfect son. And he says, Lord, let them be one as you and I are one so that the world may know that the Father loves them like he's loved me. That is huge, huge. Though we are worth his wrath, he loves us and grants us his glory. Though we were born dead in our sin, he loves us as if we were, light, we were righteous perfection. Unity, Father, and, and the unity in our hearts and in our church means that we allow the world to see that Jesus loved. Unity allows the world to see the love of Jesus. Unity allows the world to believe Jesus' word. And unity invites the world to come receive Jesus' love. Can I tell you in my heart, and when I, when I see the church, here is my heart for us. I desire Harrison Faith to be known by our unity. Let me clarify that. If our city can know us by our unity, then they'll know him by our love. 
if the city can see us and know you belong to Harrison Faith because you're so unified with them, but you're also unified to the larger body of Christ. I don't hear you talking about other churches. I don't hear you talking about other ministers because you're, you're, you're unified with the body of Christ. I don't hear you talking about your church or your pastor or the people, you're, you're unified, you're loyal. And because you're unified, they're drawn to us to see the love that we have that really speaks of who he is. And so this morning, that is my heart. Now here's what I wanna do, and I'm done, it's 1140. Here's what I wanna do. In fact, today and for the rest of this series, I'm gonna press your, your, your uncomfortable zones, okay? Every time we end service through this series, we're gonna stand up, go ahead and stand up with me. Stand up. And we're gonna pray in unity. That means we're gonna stretch across the aisles and hold each other's hand. Now, if you don't like the people next to you, you got two assignments. One, you need to pray over your heart. Two, you need to pick a better seat, okay? <laughs> two things. But we're going we're to join hands here a second. Go ahead, just join hands. Stretch across the aisle. Three things we want to pray for this morning. I first want you to pray. All right, students, be quiet, be quiet. So the first thing you're going to pray for is simply this. Lord, we want, we want unity to be seen in our church. We want people to see that. The second thing is, Lord, I want you to grow me in unity to contribute to this church. Don't just grow this church, Lord, grow me. Grow me. And the third thing is simply this, Lord, grow this church in unity with the larger body. So grow me in unity with the church. Grow the church in unity, but then grow the church into the larger body of Christ. If the Lord will bless us, it will be blessing his body. And so the more connected we are to the body, the more blessings we receive because his body is blessed. So pray for your growth and unity, this church's growth and unity, and then our growth the larger body in Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Lord, you see our hearts. You know where we're at, God. I pray, Lord, unify us. And that begins with us. It begins right here in this heart, in this mind. And so, Lord, for I, I pray, Father, that whatever, whatever pains and problems and, and, and worries and cautions that we have, I pray, God, you would put those things under the peace of God and cover those things that we can trust in you again. And I pray, God, as you, as you grow us in unity, God, grow all of us together. In the body of Christ, God, grow us together to be one, Lord, to walk in the benefits of God, to practice the basics of your word in unity. God, grow this church, but God, also grow this church to be a part of your larger body, the capital C church. We want to be a part of the grand body of Christ. We want to receive, God, your power and your outpouring, God. We want your word to be applied there and here because we're connected we're connected to the head of the church, Jesus. And so, Father, I pray as you bless your body, bless us. And as you bless us, Lord, bless your body. And as you bless us individually, God, bless this church. Because we're all one. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey.
Go have a great grill session at home. I love you. See you Wednesday. You're dismissed.